0: you for tuning in to the latest message from island church i 'm glad to be here with you guys this morning as my lovely wife said at the start we 're from Dundalk and um, we love coming up here to see you guys we love coming up to share what the lord 's put in our hearts and, and like I always say every time I'm here, it, i 'm here i don 't see it as oh yes i 'm I'm, I'm in a different church it 's all one family amen and you know um, we love our pastors down there and um, i know they 're you are in great hands up here. So it's an honor and a privilege to, um, to come and share the word that God's put in my heart. And I believe that you'll be blessed this morning because his word, the seed of his word is incorruptible. It, 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 you know, it's incorruptible. And when his seed falls on good ground, it will produce fruit in your life. Amen. And he is faithful, church. He is so, so faithful. So I want to share with you this morning, um, like I said, a word that God put in my heart. And it is very important as believers that we understand these things okay it 's very important that we um, are sober and alert okay so and it's it's just funny like what what we opened up with this morning I because she didn 't tell me that that what she was sharing and uh, what the Lord put in our heart and you know it's, it goes along with what i'm what I want to teach this morning is about you know um, being prepared against the attacks of the enemy okay so you know uh, What happens many times as believers, we put the word in, we love the Lord, we try to understand how God sees us, but we don't really know how or what it means to resist the devil. You know, we don't, um, or maybe we know what the word says about it, but we don't put put it into action in our lives, okay? So I want to talk to you a wee bit this morning about resisting the devil, about what it actually means, okay? And, you know, but first of all, what I want to say is, We are all, we always need to remember that we are overcomers in Christ Jesus, who's in Christ this morning. Amen. If you're in Christ, you are an overcomer. Okay. So we don't say these things. We don't put focus on the devil and all thinking, you know, glorifying him and those things. But yes, we need to be aware. Okay. We need to be aware of his tactics, but he's a created being. I don't, you know, some of these people who put him, put him on the same level as God. It's ridiculous. You know, he's a created being, okay? Um, And it's it's not, this is not about, you know, glorifying him about, oh, how great he is. Oh, you need to watch, you need to watch this. No, it's about realizing what's on the inside of you. Because when you do, you'll just be like, whatever. He can try and come all he wants, which he will, but it's not going to prevail because this is what I stand upon. So we are overcomers, conquerors through him who loved us. In Romans 8, 37, it tells us that we're more than conquerors. Not just conquerors, more than conquerors. He's given us the authority over the enemy. He's given us the victory. But we need to understand how to enforce that victory when he comes. You see, because he'll try and tell you that you don't have it. He'll try and tell you that, you know, oh, he, he's going to win or, 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 you know, you belong to him or whatever it may be or this situation is going to, you know, destroy your life. But, but you need to remind him that he's defeated, okay? We have to enforce that victory and, how to re- and know how to resist him when he comes. Yes, church, and we fight. And, and see, some people mistake that, and they're like, okay, right, well, if the victory's won, then why do we say, oh, we fight the good fight of faith? It is a, still a fight. We fight the good fight of faith, but we fight it from the stance of victory, We fight it from the place of, you know, we know that we've already have the victory, we've already won. Why? Because Jesus is victorious. And if we're in Jesus, we have his victory. Everything has to be looked at in the light of in him, as in, you know, who we are in Christ. We need to get our eyes off. Oh, you know, I'm a great person. Jason's great. Oh, it's all right for him to say these things, you know, because, you know, he can resist the devil, but I can't. No, that's because you're looking at yourself separate from being in Jesus. If you're in Christ, you're made as more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. It tells us in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15 that Jesus, like defeated the enemy, made a show of them openly, triumphant over them, disarmed them. What does that mean? It means that they took their weapons off of them. They don't even have the keys to their own home anymore. He took the keys of of hell off off of the devil. So Jesus triumphed them over, over them. He defeated them. And now you're in Christ we're one spirit with the lord we're one spirit with the lord you know we you know we need to understand and this is something that the lord has really been pouring out of me and i've been teaching a lot about these things in dundalk is about we need to understand that we're made up of three parts we've got a spirit we are a spirit we have a soul and we live in a body Okay, a lot of the times that's what what our bother, what our trouble and where our bother comes from. We look in the mirror and we say, that's who I am because of what you can see. This is just our earth suit. That's what we that's what I was saying there. That's what the Lord was was wanting me to share was, you know, even in these times of worship and being in his presence, we need to understand. We need to get our eyes off the carnal things of this world and realize that we're spirit, that we commune with God spirit to spirit. That's how he speaks to us is in our spirit. And in our spirit, 1 John 4, 17 says, we are just as he is in this world. Not when we get to heaven, but when right now, we're identical to Jesus in our spirit. Now, we, do we operate in that? No, because we have, only one part of us has been redeemed. You've been purchased, but we do not yet have our glorified bodies. That's why we need to reprogram our mind with the word of God to get our, our mind lines up with our spirit. And then we start, that stuff starts flowing out through our physical body, amen? So we need to understand who we are in our spirit. It is key. And in your spirit, oh, church, we are more than conquerors because we're just like Jesus. So we will be better off if we start focusing on these things. God has given us a full spiritual armor, just like we heard this morning, Ephesians chapter six. I encourage you to go study those out in depth. It's powerful when you learn what God has given us, right? God has equipped us With this armor. And guess what? It's in his word because he wants us to know what we have. And which means it's important that we have to use it. Do we understand what belongs to us? You see, what I want to talk a wee bit about this morning is resisting the devil is more than just saying, I rebuke you in Jesus name. You know, people say, oh, I'm resisting the devil because, you know, when he comes trying to put a temptation on me, I say, I rebuke you devil in Jesus name. And yes, that is part of it. Okay, which we'll talk about that in a wee while. But resisting the devil is an attitude. It's an understanding and it's a consistent lifestyle. Okay, it's not just, oh, I can resist him on a Sunday when I'm full of the word. And then on Monday morning when something comes along, I'm, you know, you drop the ball on your confession. Defeatist words start coming out of your mouth. And, you know, you forget who you are in Christ. And this, the carnal things of this world just overtake you. And then you're like, oh, by Friday you're like whipped to bits and you can't wait till Sunday again. That's not resisting the devil. That's not resisting the devil. It's a lifestyle. Consistency is the key. We need to get to a place of confidence and consistency in knowing who we are in Christ, who God is, which means who's backing us, the power that we have on the inside of us and the authority and then how to walk in it. Because it's no good knowing what we have and then not putting it into action. Okay, you can agree to the truthfulness of something, but that doesn't mean that you believe it, because when you believe something, you act on it. Okay, so it's no good just knowing these things. Okay, you need to, you need to walk in it. You need to put it into action. You know, turn with me really quickly to First John chapter 5. You know, in First John chapter 5, it tells us, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Who's been born of God in here? Amen. I've been reborn by the Spirit of God. Amen. That's what this is talking about. You know, in verse 1, I won't go back up there for time's sake, but it says, it tells us that whoever believes that Jesus is the Messiah is born of God. So when you believe who Jesus is and you receive him as the Lord and Savior of your life, you have been reborn. So you're now born of God, which means you're a child of God. You belong to him. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Church, the Bible tells us that Satan, the devil, he is the God of this world. You know, he is running this world system. That's why, you know, oh, we need to be so mindful that, you know, of the people. And even sometimes we let things like this slip out of our mouth is, oh, it's, oh, it's going to be okay. God's in control. God's in control of these things. God is not in control of this earth system. And, and like I always say, if he was, he would, he's doing a pretty bad job of it. Okay. You know, Satan is, is, is that's why the world is, is sort of getting darker and darker. The the people in this world are getting, you know, more and more evil. Why? Because they're submitting to the world system. They're submitting to the devil. Okay, God is not in control of these things. But when God is when you've been reborn of the Spirit of God and Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you, through your surrender and submission to Him, Holy Spirit can lead you and guide you and control your life. But He's not going to control you, like, you know, manhandling you, making you do things. You have to be submitted. You have to be yielded to Him. You still have your own free will. You still have your own choice to make. Okay, so... So when, we, when this is for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, we overcome the world, we overcome the world system, we overcome you know, the God of this world and Satan, we overcome all of his schemes, his tactics. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith is the victory that has overcome the world. Who is he who overcomes the world, it says, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, church, when we continue, and that word continue is so important, when we continue to take a stand of faith, believing in who is back in us and what has been placed in us, and then lining our words up with that belief, we will begin to have a consistent lifestyle needed to resist the devil. See, it's our faith. And the Bible actually tells us that it's the faith of Jesus Christ that's been placed on the inside of us. You see, it's not your own human faith because how could your human faith believe in something that you cannot see? Your human faith is something that took you into this room and sat you on that chair and knew that, okay, that looks secure. I'm not going to fall. That's human faith. You know, when we use that on a day-to-day basis. But the supernatural faith of God was placed on the inside of you when the seed of the gospel was planted in your heart. When you heard the good news of the gospel, that seed, the incorruptible seed of the word of God was placed in your heart. And Jesus is that good that he placed his faith in you in order for you to receive it. It's his faith. So our faith is, 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 in, is in connection with Jesus. Our faith, is the, faith is, the, what, is the victory that overcomes the world. But we need to continue on that path. We need to continue in a consistent attitude and lifestyle. So I want you to turn with me to James chapter 4. You know, this is kind of the, the verse that, you know, and I'm sure you could tell that this is where we were going to end up. This is kind of where we're going to be talking out of. James chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Therefore submit to God resist the devil and he will flee. You see this is a verse that we know so well. Okay? If we if we're around church, you know, we'll know this verse, we hear it quoted, we confess it over ourselves and that's good, okay? But church, many times we hear this verse, okay? And we we're like and you see that's another thing. Sometimes they're familiar When something is too familiar, it means that you don't, a lot of the times then we don't even understand what it really means. Or it can stop us maybe from digging in deeper or or finding out or allowing Holy Spirit to just peel back those layers about what is is he actually teaching us here. Oh, yes, yes, resist the devil. What will happen? He'll flee. Yes, I know that. What could you possibly tell me about these things? But see, what we need to understand is, and I I was teaching this at one of our Bible studies, is that the the Bible um, wasn't always separated into chapter and verse. Okay, it was done like that for our reference to make things easier for us to find. Okay, so this is why a lot of the times people can take a scripture and take it out of context because they're pulling it out and they're not taking into consideration what, you know, what the writer or what Holy Spirit was saying around it. Okay, so it's very important that we just don't pull out a verse to to, that fits what we want it to to fit. OK, you know, the Bible is is line upon line, precept upon precept. Okay, it's it's it doesn't contradict itself. Okay, so we need to be mindful of what's about. So today I want to look at what, what this chapter as a whole and not just submit to God and resist the devil. Yes, we know that. Okay, because James was saying something here that's very, very important. Okay. Chapter four, in verse one, I'll read. Okay, and I'll read it from the Passion. It says, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm to selfishly obtain what you crave, and that's why you quarrel and fight. And all the time, you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask, then you won't receive it because you're asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. You've become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair an unholy relationship with the world? Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us? For it, for it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. And here we go. So then, which means we need to take into account what I've just read above this. So then, submit to God, surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will flee in agony. And the Greek actually means he runs in stark terror. He will flee in agony. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. It always circles back to that relationship, to that intimacy, to that secret place, where this is where everything is birthed from. This is where we need to be operating out of. That's why Psalm 91, it says, those who dwell in the secret place. We don't visit the secret place on a Sunday. Okay, that's where we should be living. And in that place and from that place, Psalm 91 gives us all the list of protecting things that, that, you know, God speaks over us. But it's it's those who dwell in the secret place. If you go and play in the world, if you go play in the devil's playground, you will get hurt. And you can't expect to blame God then when something goes wrong. This is what I was saying about you have to submit, you have to yield, and it's your choices that, that matter. You have to submit and yield to Holy Spirit. So, so then, this is, this is connecting. I love those words that connect these. Surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him. He will flee in agony. Move your heart closer and closer to God and he will come even closer to you, okay? So, you know, and then it goes on to talk a wee bit about, you know, humility. And, you know, humility is very important. I'll get to that in a wee minute. I want to just talk a wee bit about humility. But what we need to realize, um, church, first of all is, yes, our words are important. And I know I said a few minutes ago, the resisting the devil is not just saying a word, Okay. But it's what is behind your words that matter. And that's what's important, okay? So, But our words are very important. And I just want to stop here for a second. James wrote about it a lot in the chapter before this. Go read chapter three. And it, he wrote a lot about, you know, the untamable tongue. You know, how power, powerful the tongue is. It may be small member, but it can steer and control. And he gave he, he, uh, an example of a ship. You know, how a ship could be massive, but, you know, the control center is is in that rudder. And, you know, and it can be steered very simply by the pilot or by the captain. And the tongue is the same. Unless we have control of our tongues, it's going to take us in a direction where we don't want to go or be. We need to take control of the words that come out of our mouth, okay? So um, our words are important, but I want to read out, just go back with me one page there in chapter three, and it says in verse 11 of James, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus... No spring can yield both salt water and fresh water. So what this is teaching us is you can't expect, like you can't speak polluted words as part of your vocabulary and then expect something to happen when you start speaking faith words to resist the devil. You can't, you know, have a mouth like a sewer from Monday to Saturday and then come into church and and know what to say. Because many, many times we know what to say. We know the right words to say. And the fact that we can turn it on and off is a very good indication that, you know, you're in control of what you're saying. Okay, so a lot of the times we can control what we say depending on the environment that we're in. And that just goes to show that, you know, you're completely yielded to the flesh. So you need to, you can't speak polluted words out of your mouth and then expect something to happen when you start speaking. You know, I, you know, to resist the devil. You can't. You know, our, the water coming forth should be all pure water. If we allow salty, polluted water water to get in there, it's it's very difficult. It's very very difficult to operate in, in how God wants us to operate. And then I'm, I once give this. I was teaching our young people. Um, you know the. The importance of, um, you know, not allowing sin to enter in, into your life, okay? And I got this jug of water and I put like a wee tiny drop of blue food, food dye in it. And it just completely permeated the whole thing. It discolored the whole thing. And I was like, "That is, say this glass of water is your reputation. This is, you know, your lifestyle. This is how you are before God. And if you let one drop of sin in there or, you know, unrighteousness or wickedness in there, it pollutes everything. It pollutes everything, and it's very difficult. Then now you can, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you know you can get these things out of your life. But what? How do you do it? You have to continually wash it out, and until it's, it flows out, until that water is is uh, clear again, it has to come from a from a from a like a stream. It has to come from a living a living stream, which is Holy Spirit. And he, if you yield to Him, He will start flushing all of those things out of you. But it's it's a process. And we can skip that process if we just stay away from things. Okay, so you can't allow... If you start speaking, um, you know, a bad vocabulary, you know, as in, in in accordance with the Word of God, if you start speaking these polluted words out of your mouth, it's, it's, you're, you're making life difficult for yourself. Okay, because then you have to then get on ri- train yourself and allow Holy Spirit to get to wash these things out of you. So then just don't do it in the first place. Stop. Don't yield to these things. Okay, so your words are important. So I want you to remember that. And we, I know we all know that, okay? But you can't speak polluted words and then just expect something to happen. We can't afford to have double standards when it comes to our words. Okay, if we're so flippant with your words, if you're so flippant with your words, when you do speak forth the word, your spirit can't even back it because who knows what you take seriously. I will even go as far to say, if you're constantly, it doesn't even have to be a swear word. But if you're constantly putting your name, your words to something, and you're putting your name to something, and then you don't stand over it, how, how do you expect then when you speak forth words of power and speak forth faith words that the devil's going to listen to you? Oh, yes, I'll be there. I'll be there at such and such time. Oh, yes, I will do that for you. Yes, I will, you know, I will look after that for you. And then, you know, somebody lets you down. And look at, I know things happen, but I'm talking about this as a lifestyle. You know, this is, oh, this is how you're known. This is your personality. If you live like that, church, you know, you can't expect, your, you can't expect things to, that when you speak forth, things are going to happen. Your spirit needs to know that when you speak, you mean what you say. And that there are righteous words coming out of your mouth. Okay, so your tongue is a powerful tool and although it is a little member, it can determine the direction of your life. Humility. Humility is very important. And I'll be just talking a bit about humility over these next few minutes as we go over these verses. But our humility before God will cure the worldliness that's in you. You know, it's when you get your eyes on who God is, pride is very dangerous. Our resisting the devil is a lifestyle. It's not a particular phrase. It's not a magic word that we use now and again. And it's not a formula. Oh, just say these words and yes, you will resist the devil. That's not what resisting the devil is. You can't look at somebody else in their walk with God and say, I'm going to copy exactly what they do, and then I'm going to do it, and it's going to work for me. It's not just a formula that you can adopt. It's through your relationship with God. It's through your submission to him. That's why it says, therefore, submit to God and resist the devil. That has to come first. It's in our surrendering to God. It's not a formula. We can't be living like the world, lusting after worldly pleasures, fighting with one another, bickering with one another, acting with selfish motives, and then expect to resist the devil when he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Why? Because you can't resist what you're submitting to. When you're acting like that, this is what James is talking about in these verses where he says, when you're allowing this worldliness to pollute you, when you're allowing these selfish motives, these selfish desires to pollute you, you're submitting to the devil. And you can't submit, you can't resist what you're submitting to in living with pride in your life and flirting with the world, you're submitting to the world system and means you're submitting to the devil. And no, people don't like to hear those things. That can agitate people. You know, especially Christians. We're like, I would never submit to the devil. But yet they're living in rebellion against the the things of God and they're walking in unrighteousness and sin. But they come to church on a Wednesday. They come to church on a Sunday. They have the appearance of godliness but lack power. That's what Paul was saying, to beware. Beware of those things. Okay, we can put on a facade, but that doesn't mean, you know, that what's happening behind is real. Okay, and, but God knows. God looks at the heart, right? So it's, it's a lifestyle. If you're not submitting to God in humility and righteousness, you're submitting to the world system and you're being controlled by the devil. You know, um, and, you know, in these verses, I love where it says, to go back there, it says, God, uh, you know, when you're walking in rebellion to the things of God and yielding to sin, you're playing with the world and you're committing adultery on God. You're committing adultery. You see, God is a jealous lover. Okay? He doesn't want to share you. He doesn't want to share you. And, and I can guarantee you, see, anybody I'd say could testify, those who have tried to live two lives, you know, one foot in the world and one foot in, in, in the kingdom and one foot for Christ, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You are just torturing yourself. You're torturing yourself when you're yielding to the flesh, and then, and then you're coming to church, and then you're, you're, you feel so beaten up, because Holy Spirit's like, he doesn't want you living like that. And it's just a torture to yourself. Okay, And it doesn't work. You never have any effect. It doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. You, a, lot, a lot of the times, unless you get your act together, of course, you, you end up going in the complete, complete opposite direction into a complete backslidden state. So to God, it's like committing adultery. It's like, you know, I went and said to my wife, oh, um, on Sunday night, okay, I'll see you now. I'll be back next Sunday. I'm just going to go now and I'm going to spend the week with another woman. I know what she'd say. I'd have a sore, I'd have a sore jaw. okay. But I know we laugh about these things and it sounds ridiculous, but this is what we're doing. You see, this is what we're doing on God when we do these things. We say, right, okay, Lord, thanks for healing me today. I'll see you next week. And then you're back in flirting with the world Monday to Saturday. And then you come back and you say, headache, you leave in Jesus' name. Devil, I resist you. And we think, oh, I'm resisting the devil. It's not just your words. Your words are important, but there's a lot more to it. God wants your whole heart, and he and at the end of that chapter and verse, or in the end of those verses, the portion of scripture that I read, he talks about you know how he will uplift and exalt the humble. Humility is so important, and you know it's not even those that are in total rebellion to the things of God because it's it's easy sometimes to spot those things and say oh they're in complete rebellion they're just turning their backs completely on God and they're they're you know completely submitting to the devil. All of us are su- are susceptible to submitting to the devil. All of us are, sus- are susceptible to submitting to the flesh, which means then we'd be submitting to the devil. You see, he could come along. You see, especially with a believer, with us in this room, say, right, the devil's not going to show up at your door tomorrow in a red costume and a pitchfork and say, hello, let me in, because he knows we're not going to let him in. He knows we know better. But see, he'll come with a wee bit of bitterness, or he'll come with a wee bit of resentment, or he'll come with a wee bit of, you know, anger issues or, or anything. He'll try and exploit a weakness, And he'll try and come with a wee sliver of, you know, oh, um, I'll just, you know, I'll bring this temptation of, you know, like a sore back and see what they cling to. I'll bring this temptation for this or bring that temptation for that. And he's looking out to see what you cling to. And then if you yield to things like that, he can set up strongholds in your life where he can operate out of. And that's why it's very important to know and to recognize him when he comes. Don't, you know... Watch out for like we seeds of jealousy, covetousness, offense, bitterness, whatever it may be, don't grab a hold of it. If we allow ourselves to yield to those things, you're not submitting to God. You're not submitting to God. And, church, I don't know about you, but I know for me, like, I, offense is one of the biggest things that we need to mind ourselves against. It, it tears people apart, it, it, it's, it clears churches. Offense. If you let it and you yield to it, okay? Why? It's the simple root of it is you take your eyes off Jesus and it's on yourself. It's pride. It's pride. If you're walking in offense, it's because you're prideful. And even if, even if they're in the wrong, oh, but I didn't do anything. Oh, how dare you say I'm prideful? I didn't do anything. Pride is still pride, even when you're looking at yourself, even when you don't look like what you see. It's still pride. When you're focused on yourself, that's all you're cared about. That's all what, you, what you're thinking about. It means you're not submitting to God. So this is key in resisting the devil. Therefore, submit to God. We need to give him each area of our lives to fully submit to him. Your lifestyle, your marriage, your career, everything. You can't hold back something from him. Okay, he has to, he has to be Lord of it all. okay. And it doesn't mean you can't have those things, but you see, when he is Lord of those things, when you've completely submitted to him, when you've given him your whole heart, church, I'm telling you, he can bless and prosper those things more than you ever could. Yeah. Oh, I can't, if I, you know, if I give him more time, if I give him more of these things, you know, I can't, uh, it's, gonna, it's gonna, you know, hinder what I can receive or what I can get from him. And I'm telling you, he will, he will give you more than what you could ever imagine once you submit and yield to him. Okay, so that is key allowing Holy Spirit to lead and direct you. You can't be running your own life and say you're submitting to God. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So when you're in the word of God, when you're in prayer, living your life to please him, not yourself, which is walking in righteousness, asking him to reveal to you anything that's not from him and then dealing with it because sometimes he can reveal things and we're like, oh no Lord, I'm not ready to let go of that yet. And we ignore him or disobey him. We become calloused. So when you ask him to reveal something to you, you need to be prepared that you're going to deal with what he reveals. Deal with it, be obedient. When you take these steps in the word, in prayer, living your life, living, walking in righteousness, asking him to reveal, being obedient, then you are submitting yourself to God. Because this is key, right? When Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to you that don't have the life of God in them, you'll start recognizing, hold on a minute, this isn't from God. I don't have to accept this. I know this sickness is not from God. I resist you, devil in Jesus' name, because you are starting to walk in submission to God. You start recognizing what's not of Him, and that is what resisting the devil is. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's useless going around complaining with you know a sore back or a sore whatever or some sort of ailment. Just say that for as an example. It's, It's absolutely useless going around complaining about these things. You know, coming to church on a Sunday, you know, getting prayed for, really feeling the presence of God, getting healed, okay? Leaving church saying, yes, oh, I'm, I'm fired up. I rebuke you, devil, this, this, this. And then Monday morning when you get up and maybe that temptation comes back to, t- to take that sickness again, then what you say is, oh, your, word, your words drop, your confession drops. Then you start saying, oh, yes, that's my sore back. You start claiming it, believing that it belongs to you. That's not resisting the devil either. You don't do it for one day and then it goes out the window. You have to be consistent. Mind your words and speak only what the word says. There's always a route to something. And this is where Holy Spirit is key. Because he will show us the route. Then we deal with it accordingly. The devil will always try and sneak in the back door. Okay, that's why it says, you know, I love that, that portion of scripture where it talks about Jesus is the shepherd and he looks after the sheep. He comes to the front door. He doesn't try and sneak his way in. The enemy, the hireling, he comes to the back door to see can, can he come in and steal or, or destroy and kill the sheep. Okay? If you, give, if you give Satan a sliver of space, he will come in and exploit you, exploit you. Okay? He'll exploit it and he will, if you give him an open door, he will oblige. So it's hard to resist the devil when you're doing your own thing because you don't recognize him when he comes. You have to be sensitive to the things of God. When you submit to God, there's an understanding of walking in the spirit and not walking in the flesh. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, the flesh is constantly lusting against the spirit. It says, walk therefore in the spirit and not according to the flesh. The flesh has been crucified. When you were reborn, you were reborn of the spirit of God. That old man is crucified. He's dead. He's on that cross because that's where you've nailed him to be. Nailed him. So you shouldn't be yielding to lustly or fleshly lusts. You shouldn't be yielding to fleshly desires. You should be living for him solely and completely. So then it means when you do this, when you walk according to the spirit, you're not in partnership with the devil when you're trying to resist him. That's why even a marriage relationship won't work if one is resisting the other. You know, you can say, oh yes, we're in partnership, but when one is resisting the other, it doesn't work. There's, there's just turmoil. You can't resist what you're submitting to. So if you're yielding to the flesh, you're cooperating with the devil, whether you realize it or not. So this is what James was saying, and this is important, church. It's not just the case of rebuking him with your words. That is part of it. But it's our righteous lifestyle behind our words that God will back with his power. Ooh. I was in island church on Sunday and this guy was preaching about works. It's all about works. Yes, it is. Works are important. Your works couldn't earn you righteousness. That was from the grace of God. But your works are a fruit of your changed life. They're not the root. But yes, they're important. Go read James as a whole and you will find your works are important. It's your righteous lifestyle behind your words that God will back with his power. Because that will be a giveaway of where you're yielding to. When your lifestyle lines up with God's word, he will exalt you and lift you up. Our authority comes from God. This is where the battle is won. When we're fully submitted and surrendered to God, you're able to walk in the authority that he's given you. And this will cause the devil to run in stark terror in the opposite direction. When you're standing in the authority that he's given you. So the promise of God says, resist the devil and he will flee. So, church, what does that mean? When you don't resist him, he won't flee. He will hang around and he will try and exploit you, like I said. He will hang around and try and wreak havoc. He will come to steal, kill, and destroy. So, if you don't resist him, you're going to have to deal with him. You have to resist and he will flee. It's a promise of God. For Do it for yourself, do it for your family, do it for your church, do it for, do it for whatever is in your life. And the, God has placed you in a position, God has placed you in a, in a place where, you know, you're not only just resisting him for yourself, but for, you can't resist the devil for somebody else, but you can resist the devil with them. You can resist the devil with them, especially when it comes to partnerships and stuff like that. But if we don't, he stays and hangs around. So we need to take a stand against the enemy. You know, and then some might say, well, I've been resisting the devil. You know, you know, I've been struggling with this problem for so many weeks or so many months or my whole life or whatever. I've been resisting him. I've been resisting him. And yes, God has healed me. You know, I came to church or I came to island church or I came wherever. And, you know, I got laid, hand, I got, you know, hands laid upon or I received through his presence and God has healed me. You know, and then, but, you know, a couple of days later or a couple of weeks later, you know, um, you know, I'm starting to feel these things again. You see, you're, you're too much in your feelings. You're too much in the physical. You see, the promise of God says resist the devil and he will flee. It doesn't say resist the devil and uh, he will flee and never come back. Because he will try and come back. Okay. This goes back to it needs to be a consistent lifestyle. This goes back to that it doesn't need to just be on a day here or there. It's a continual thing. It's an attitude. So then when he does come back and you recognize him, you say, no, 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 devil, not today. I don't think so. I resist you in the name of Jesus. I will not accept those things because this is what the word says I have. This is who God says I am. And this is what I'm going to speak out. We just need to keep walking in the authority that Jesus has given us and enforce the victory that he's already won. Church, that should be, that alone, the victory that he's already won, a revelation of that which ought to fill us so full of joy that we can just laugh at the devil when he comes knocking. Who do you think you are? Do you know who I am? I am the son or I am a daughter of the Most High God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling on the inside of me, quickening my mortal body. I am made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. By the stripes of Jesus, I have been, I've been already healed. And Matthew 8 confirms that that was even physical healing. So I am the healed of God. That's who I am. Devil, who are you? Let me tell you where you're going. You're destined for the lake of fire. That's where your destiny is. I'm destined for the kingdom of God. I'm going to be in eternity with him. You start speaking to him and reminding him where he's going. It's a consistent attitude. turns me to Isaiah chapter 54. This is another popular verse that we all know very well. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. You see, church, we need to know and we need to act upon what Jesus has done for us. We need to know and we need to act upon. You see, and this is another thing of just taking a familiar verse and then not really digging or understanding what it's really saying. Like, just like, oh, resist the devil and he will flee. Or no weapon formed against me will prosper. Full stop. That's not what that verse says. You see, what it says then is, this is the heritage of the Lord, of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. We need to know and act upon what Jesus has done. He has made us righteous. It was his righteousness that made us righteous, not ours not ours. This is why it, it actually, it, it grates on me when I hear believers walk around with this sinner's mentality, beating themselves up in condemnation, living a life ridden with guilt, and constantly knocking themselves down because they think they're walking in humility. Ah, oh, church, it's far from the truth. Because it's actually an insult to God's righteousness when we look at it like that. It's an insult to God's righteousness because you don't really believe that God's righteousness made you clean and made you whole. Like it says, we are are reborn in perfect righteousness and holiness. It was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that reconciled us back to the Father. It was his righteousness, not ours. And you see people say, oh, well, in Isaiah it says, you know, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Yes, your own righteousness without Jesus. It wasn't enough. That's why you needed a savior. But you're not to look at yourself like filthy rags because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to change your mentality. You need to change how you see yourself. It's in him. It's in him. The Bible says, like I said, in 1 John four, 4 seventeen, you are just like Jesus in this world. Your spirit man is identical to Jesus. His righteousness made us righteous. He doesn't look at us like that anymore. God doesn't look at you as a child of God and see, oh, he doesn't look at you and see your map full of your past mistakes and sins. He says he cast them as far as the east is from the west. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see Cynthia. He doesn't see Barry. He doesn't see Lane. He doesn't see you as an individual. He sees Jesus. He either looks at you in Christ or in Adam. Well, you were in Adam before you were born, before you were reborn. He sees you in Christ. That's how he sees you. You see, humility is not beating yourself up because you think you're not good enough. Oh, but I've I'm, I'm, I'm just been humble. I would never elevate myself because I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. See, true humility is focusing on who God is, not what you're not oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not righteous. I couldn't do this. I'm not capable. I'm not this. I'm not that. That's not humility. That's pride. People think, I used to think, and I know this because I used to think this way. I used to think what pride is was just all these people that walk around all puffed up and think they're the bee's knees and think they're great at everything. That's not just what pride is. Pride is when you're focused on yourself, full stop. Whether you like what you see or not, it's the opposite of humility. Humility. But true humility is focusing on what God is. It's out, all is about him. When you're looking at yourself, that's where you're going to see the limitations. That's when you're going to see the problems and that's when you're going to fall because the Bible says pride comes before a fall. Humility is looking at Jesus and focusing on what he is. This verse tells us that our heritage is from the Lord. What is our righteousness and because of this righteousness and who he made us to be we can stand up and resist the devil because no weapon formed against us will prosper sure any joe blog could say that well no weapon performed against me will prosper but is it their heritage or have they been made the righteousness of god in christ jesus your heritage is something that you have inherited So as when we stand in that position of authority, like I said, knowing who God is, knowing who he made us to be, who is backing us, that all of heaven is backing us, the spirit of God living on the inside of us, the power that's in the inside of us. When we know where we stand, we can stand up and resist the devil with power. But you need to know who you are in Christ. It, it, it's foundational. You have to know who you are in him. That is your heritage. In the ESV, it translates vindication. God vindicates us, church. He'll repay the enemy for us. Oh, praise the Lord. We just need to keep walking in the righteousness that he's placed on the inside of us. And we will consistently resist the devil. You know, weapons can come in many different forms. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And I would encourage you, I've circled that in my Bible, no weapon. Because no weapon means no weapon. weapon can, weapons can come in many different forms. But we can resist them all when we stand in who we are in Christ. And then it also tells us to condemn every word that rises up against us. You see, well, that's another part we leave out or we don't do. You have to do that nobody else is going to do that for you. Don't allow the enemy to whisper words in your ear. Shut them down and beat them with the word of God. Don't allow them to bring thoughts. And another thing is, and I say this time and time again, you cannot fight a thought with another thought. You have to speak out against it. Take every thought into captivity and put them under the obedience of Christ. Put them under your feet. When we allow a thought to settle, that's why a lot of things that we do, and even uh, things are all... When we act in unrighteousness and do things like that, church, it's premeditated. You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to commit adultery today. You start submitting to thoughts, putting things in that shouldn't be there, thinking about things. You think it in your, in your head before you act it. You know, somebody doesn't just wake up and say, I'm going to go rob the Bellagio in Las Vegas today. A lot of thought and planning and processes went behind that. You don't just take on an operation like that. It's premeditated. You think about these things. Don't allow him to whisper thoughts in your ear and allow them to take hold. You stand against them. You speak out against them. We need to understand that in order to resist the devil and his weapons that he'll form against us, you need to stand in the knowledge that God has made you righteous and you're his children. That is your heritage. I'm going to give you a few points in closing here, right? Of, um, it's a couple of things that we can use or do to resist the devil. Right? And I encourage you to take note of these things because, and, and, and a lot of them we think, oh, yes, yes, I know that. But it's knowing how to, how to apply them and where to apply them, okay? So number one, the Word of God. Okay, so what I mean by, okay, the Word of God, yes, well, I knew you were going to say that. But see, the Word of God is truth. The Bible tells us the devil is the father of all lies, so, if you don't have the word in you, how will you recognize what's a truth and what's a lie? So, that's when he comes with his lie, you'll accept it as truth. When he comes to say, Oh, I've put cancer upon you. When he comes to say, Oh, I've come, I put depression on you. When he comes with as ugly, disgusting labels and tries to put them on you, you accept them as truth because you don't know that it's a lie because you don't have the word in you. How can you fight the lie when you don't have the truth? The word of God is truth. So you need to recognize the lie by putting the word of God in. The enemy will always try to whisper his lies using your own voice. Did you ever notice that? He didn't say, hello, Cynthia, I'm the devil. Oh, you're going to struggle in this area. He tries to make it sound like that's who you are. He uses your own voice. Oh, I'm no good at that. I couldn't do that. Or, uh, oh, oh, I feel this. Oh, this is going to turn into this. Or, you know, oh, my life's falling apart. Or this is what the, you know, the bank said. I'm going to be kicked out of my home. And, you know, and it's all, he tries to make it personal. He tries to use your own voice to whisper his lies in your ear to convince you that's who you are. That's why you need to keep going back to who you are in Christ. It's your heritage. Our heritage is that we've been made the righteousness of God. You start speaking those things out. You know, he comes, he whispers, I'm not good enough. I'm going to get sick with this. I'm a bad husband. I'm broke. I'm a failure. Blah, 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 blah. And this is what he tries to whisper. This is what he tries to get you to take a hold of. His lies become your truth because you think that's the way you are and you don't know who God's made you to be. Don't allow his lies to become your truth. How you combat that that is, is you constantly put the word in. You have to put the word in, in the inside of you. And then the spirit of God will speak to you and remind you that the word says who you are. Like I love that in John uh, 14, something around 26, somewhere around there, you know, the Bible says one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to, is to remind us of the words Jesus spoke. And I, I was teaching on this on Wednesday night in Dundalk about, you know, the, uh, we, we'd have no excuse for not renewing our minds. People say, oh, I, I can That's what you do for a living. Or, you know, you have so, so much study time. Or you, I, I, like, I work 12 hours a day. Or I do this, I do that. You know, it's about, it's about quality. And not always about quantity. What are you putting in? You meditate on the word of God, even take a verse or whatever, and everybody is different. And this is why you need to allow Holy Spirit to, to lead you and show you how to do these things. But I mean, you take a scripture in the morning and you meditate on that and you allow Holy Spirit to just continue, peel back layers throughout the day. Because why? He brings up to your remembrance the words that Jesus spoke. So you take the word. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This isn't just a book. This is Jesus, the living expression in written form. So you take the words that he spoke and you allow Holy Spirit to remind you of that throughout the day. Instead of all the garbage of the day that you're not good enough. Instead of all the garbage of the day when the devil comes with his lies and his deceit. Don't allow yourself to think on those things. Think on the stuff that you're putting in. That's renewing your mind. It's reprogramming your mind as to, you know, because when we get reborn, your mind isn't just, oh, automatically think God thoughts. You have to, you have to renew them. That's one of the first things I'll tell a new believer to do is go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. You need to renew your mind. Because number one, the devil will try and talk you out of everything that's just happened. Renew your mind with the word of God. Why? Because this is truth. When you get truth in, you can spot his lies. Number two, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. That's another way you can resist the devil. You can't resist the devil without any power. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is our power. You know, in Jude chapter one, and verse 20, it says, we build ourselves up in faith. When what? We pray in the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say in verse 21 of, of Jude, it says, and we, keep, and we keep ourselves in the love of God. I don't know about you, church, but when I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm just reminded of how much God loves me. I'm reminded of our relationship together. I'm reminded of, of, of how much, you know, of how he sees me. Because you're, you're, putting, you're not putting all the garbage of the day in. When we pray in the spirit, we remind ourselves how much God loves us. This mindset will help you to resist the devil because you'll say, hold on a minute. How dare you come against me? How dare you come against my children? How dare you come against my family? Because I'm a child of God. He loves me. He's, been made, he's made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Who do you think you are coming against me? When we pray in the Holy Spirit, we're praying the perfect will of God. You see, church, sometimes when things are coming against us, you know, and things sometimes can get ugly. You know, like I said at the start, it's a fight and we have to fight the good fight of faith. And sometimes things can get difficult in the the physical. And if we get caught up in the physical, you know, that's where the real danger is that it can overwhelm us completely. But sometimes our human words can fail us. Sometimes, you know, and yes, we pray. We pray the word of God. We pray in our own tongue. We pray these things out. And sometimes it gets to the point where, number one, we don't know what else to say. Or number two, we don't understand the ins and outs of every situation that we're praying for. But Holy Spirit knows. So when you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. When you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. It's the perfect will of God. And you know what? Another thing I love, in Romans 8, 26, it says, The Holy Spirit comes and intercedes with us. He intercedes in our behalf. It's the perfect prayer. And you know what I love about it? It was given. It's a gift to the church. It's a gift to his body. Did you ever notice when you're in a service and the move of the spirit starts going off, if there's any familiar spirits or religious devils in the place, they start getting antsy and agitated and they start to disrupt and scream out and shout. Why is that? Because they don't like it. They don't understand what's happening. They can't understand it. And a lot of the times, it's that there are no, oh God, you know, Holy Spirit's fixing to do something here, okay? But they don't like it. It makes them agitated. It's a gift given to the church, and we need to use it. We need to walk in it. Number three, be mindful what you listen to and what you let in. And this kind of goes along with what I was saying, with those, with those verses in James. Fill your eyes and ears with what is edifying to your spirit. I encourage you, before you do something, before you watch something, before you listen to something, ask yourself, is this going to be edifying to my spirit? And if the answer is no, don't, don't do it. You see... The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's not just sticking on a teaching in the background and walking around the house and listening to it. Oh, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, I'm hearing. So faith comes. No, that's when when you're listening, when you're in church or when you have something on or when you're allowing the word of God to get in into your heart. Holy Spirit through the rhema word, through that revelation knowledge, speaks directly to your spirit, speaks directly to your heart, drops that in on the inside of you. And you know that you know that you know that it's truth. It's not just the pastor saying it. It's not just me saying it. It's not just whoever saying it. Oh yes, I know that because this is true because such and such told me that on Sunday. No, you know it's true. That isn't going to get you through when the devil comes knocking. Devil, I resist you because the pastor said on Sunday that I'm the heel of God. It has to be revelation knowledge to you. You have to know it and God has to speak it directly to your heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, you've been given the measure of faith, but you have to exercise it. You have to build it up. You have to you have to put in what's edifying. Oh, I yeah, you know... I I have background music on in the car, you know, I have motivational podcasts and motivational speakers, and I'm not saying all these things are wrong, but, you know, people are, are, you know, I have these things in the background, or, or, yeah, I have the news on in the background at home, but I'm not really listening to it, I'm fine, it doesn't affect me. I'm telling you, it's going in. You may not catch all of it, but seeds are going in. Be mindful what you listen to. Be mindful what you put in. The only thing that will strengthen your faith is the word of God. Be mindful what you're what teaching even you're listening to. Oh, such and such. It's a he's a Christian. I'm going to put him on and listen to him. Be mindful. Be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, you don't want to teach some you don't want to listen to teaching that is that is contrary or contradicts what the word of God's teaching. I'll just leave that one there. But be mindful, guys. Number 4. Rebuke rebuke. Use your words. But see, this is what I was saying at the beginning, that it's not just a formula. It's not just say these words and you're resisting the devil. It's part of it. But see, you can't rebuke until you combine the first three things I'm after saying. You can't rebuke with no word in you. You can't rebuke with no power in you. And you can't rebuke with nothing edifying in you. You have to do the first three before you can start rebuking and using your words, because it's the righteous lifestyle behind your words that God's backs with his power. You can get a parrot to repeat something. That doesn't mean there's any power in it. You can, get a, you can teach a parrot to say, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. That ain't going to do anything. Because the, what's the parrot's heritage? Or what's your heritage? That you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what's back and what's coming out of your mouth. That's why and I won't go there for time's sake, but in Acts chapter 19, I believe, there's an account of the seven sons of Sceva. And, you know, they thought, oh, they've seen what was happening in the early church. And Paul and these boys were going around, they were, you know, casting out devils and casting out demons by the name of Jesus. And they said, all these, you know, Jewish leaders and people that were going in and trying to, you know, cast out these evil spirits were like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. That's working. I'm going to try that. They rock up to that house, and you know, they start saying, you know, in the name of Jesus, casting them out in the name of Jesus. (laughs) And what did the evil spirit turn around and say? The name of Jesus I know you're referring to. I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who exactly do you think you are? And they leaped upon him. And. He wasn't left in a pretty bad shape, let's just say. So I'm telling you, church, it's not just these are the words you need to say. It's what is behind your words. It all comes back to your relationship. You see, it's your relationship. God, those, all those spirits and all that Paul and Peter and these boys were casting out, they knew the intimacy they had with Jesus. They knew it was coming from a place of relationship. It wasn't just a formula of, you know, when Peter came up and he says, in the name of Jesus, what I can give you. I can't give you silver and gold, but in the name of Jesus, I give you. And he pulled that man up and he began to walk. Why? Because it was coming from that place of relationship. It's your lifestyle. It's consistent. It's an attitude. The final thing is, surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Like I said, you can't resist the devil for somebody. Like my wife, I can't resist the devil for her, but I can resist the devil with her. You can't resist the devil for your family or for your friends, but you can resist the devil with them, okay? Surround yourself with like-minded individuals. You become who you surround yourself with, okay? You will become who you surround yourself with. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Oh, this is another thing I've heard over the years, and it's come a lot from that, you know, Hyper grace message, or you know that we like that a lot of people times we hear. Oh, I'm no, it's okay. I'm you know God's called me to do this. God's called me to go to these environments, or go to these places, or go to the world, and you know sit with them and commune with them and do what they do because that's my ministry. You know, they're, I'm I'm telling you, you're deceived. You're deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Somebody's always going to be doing the influencing. If they're not sitting in church filled with the Holy Ghost, praising God, surrendering to God, they're influencing you. I can tell you that now. They're influencing you. It may not happen overnight where you think all your standards drop overnight and everything just, but it, with time, with time, things, you start to compromise on things. You start, your, your words start to change and da, da 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 And it's a domino effect and then fall out your full living in rebellion submitting to the devil. Oh, church, I've seen it time and time again. And very, very close as well, I've seen it. Do not surround yourself with people who are in rebellion towards the things of God. You can't resist what you're submitting to. Okay, you can't resist what you're in cooperation with. Don't cooperate with the devil. Get yourself around people who will come alongside you. Resist the devil with you. People who are full of the word and full of the spirit of God. These are the types of people you want to be around. These are the types of people you want to be around. You know, yes, we're in the world, but the Bible says we're not of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We're in the world. We witness to the world. We speak to unbelievers. That's what we're called to do, church, of course. But you don't go in and do what they do. Okay? Jesus dined with with all types of people. Okay? But Jesus was always the one doing the influencing. Okay? He was the one that was always pouring into them. Iron sharpens iron. We help each other as the body of Christ by being there for each other and encouraging one another in the Lord. Okay? These points will help you to resist the devil. We don't just do them on a Wednesday or a Sunday at church, remember. We don't just, you know, say these few words and then hope everything's going to be Okay, it's a lifestyle. Okay? And I encourage you, take those points. Get You know, get the word of God in you. You know, pray in the spirit. Put what's edifying into you. Rebuke, Resist. And then surround yourself with like-minded individuals. And you will be on the the right direction and the right place of getting into a lifestyle where anytime the devil knocks, it doesn't matter when he comes. Church, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. And the the Bible says the devil left him for another opportune time. Okay, so just because he flees, the Bible, remember, the Bible doesn't say, oh, he flees and never comes back. And a lot of the times when he does come back, people think, oh, I mustn't be doing it right. And they throw everything out the window. And that's not the case. Sometimes we aren't doing something right. But again, Holy Spirit will tell you. Are you sensitive? Are you, is your ears open and your spiritual ears, not these ears? Okay. Are we blessed this morning? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you. Oh, we thank you, Father, for your wonderful word. Oh, we thank you, Father, that it is who you are. Jesus is the express image of the Father. Jesus is the Word. So I thank you, Father, when we open up the Word, we, we, can, we can see you, Lord. And not, not only that, it's our spiritual mirror. We can see who we are in Christ, not in our physical mirror and when we can see our physical features, but we can see who we really are through your Word. So I thank you for this time in your Word this morning. I believe, Lord, that seeds went forth, Lord, that are going to plant and produce a harvest and fruit in the good, ground, good heart grounds of these people. Thank you for the seekers that are in this house, Lord, that are seeking your presence and your word. Oh, we thank you, Father Lord, for your wonderful presence this morning. We thank you, Father Lord, for oh Lord, and for healings, Father Lord, for just Lord, words, Father Lord, for just changes, transformations that took place in people's lives. Even just from a single word that was spoken. Thank you, Father. You're so good, you're so faithful. We thank you, Father Lord, for Psalm 91, Lord, that we dwell in this secret place. We dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. That is where we make our home. Oh, Lord, we're intimate with you. We're in a relationship with you. So therefore, Lord, no harm will come near us. No harm will befall us. No wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself will prosper against us. No plague will come near us, our, our dwelling place. No virus, no strain, no this, no that. We will not listen to the fear mongering we will not listen because we have been careful what we put in and we resist the devil and all of his schemes. So we thank you that angels, Father, are going with us, Father, protecting us in all of our ways. Holy Spirit, you are leading us and guiding us into all truth. Thank you, Father, Lord, that you give us opportunities this week, Father, Lord, to just walk in your love, to minister the gospel, to get people snatched from the grave and snatched from the pits of hell, Father, to bring them into relationship with you. Help us not miss opportunities, Lord. Help us get over our pride and not be interested or concerned about the fear of man. But we've such a reverence and respect and a fear for you, Lord, that we'll obey and submit to you in all that we do. So we thank you, Father. We walk in love, Lord, towards you in everything we do. And we walk in faith, Lord, knowing that our faith produces corresponding actions. We won't just hear what we said today and say, yes, Lord, that's good, and then do nothing about it. We'll start putting these things into action on a daily basis, because that's what the Christian walk is all about. It's about taking the principles, the promises of God's word and applying them to our lives. We don't want to overcomplicate things, Lord. We just want to walk in obedience to you and surrender and give our whole hearts to you. So Father, in closing, we declare by faith, Lord, the Island Church is covered by your blood, empowered by your word and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.